Okay, Steve, uh, Zeke Reamers here, riding in Okotoks on a smoky Monday, May long weekend morning ride. Uh, trying to put some training in for the AR700 in about three months, which really snuck up on me. Things are going good. Enjoying your podcast. Uh, really struggling these days with uh, the balance, trying to put in the hours for training and uh, feeling a lot of guilt about stealing time from my wife and kids. It seems to be an ongoing thing. I don't know how other people deal with this, but uh, I think mine's going to be a lot more early morning rides so that I can come home and then still have time to spend with the kids, get my job done. But uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be out to Invermere this summer and maybe catch up with you and go for a ride or something. Anyways, keep the wheels down and love the show. Talk to you later, buddy. Hello again, friends. Welcome to My Back 40 and the My Back 40 podcast. I'm your host. Steve O'Shaughnessy, what do you think of the voice? This is the post-race voice. <laughs> it's so crazy, huh? You should hear it in my headphones. It's like crazy. Um, Zeke, thanks for reaching out, man. I think I really appreciate that voice intro, and I think that feeling that you're having is not uncommon amongst people who do hard things and need to get ready for them. I do have a lot to say about it because, um, like I said, ev- everyone feels this, I think, right? And especially when you have a family. Um, I, I actually want to reframe it right away. I want to re- reframe it. You say in your voice intro that you're stealing time from your wife and kids. I appreciate that. I appreciate the way you phrase that. But let's reframe it uh, to taking time for yourself. Let's, let's reframe it in that way. Instead of stealing time, which has a negative connotation to it because you're stealing, um, taking time for yourself, you're taking time to prepare for something that is really important to you, something big you want to do. The AR 700 is is pretty big. They're pretty, it's a pretty punchy, (laughs) difficult route generally. And yeah, you want to be prepared. So you're, you're, you're not only taking the time for your own preparedness, for the event, but you're also taking time for yourself, uh, for your identity as a cyclist, for your mental health. Uh, you're taking the time to do these things so that you can be more present for your wife and family. I think the thing that came to mind um, for me is that, I guess the first thing is communication. Does your partner know that you're feeling guilty? about taking this time for yourself. Um, have you talked to her about it? I think it's really important. And you know what? I don't know how old your kids are, but you can talk to your kids about that as well. Like, why not? Um, I think it's important to, um, I wish I could really be super transparent about this, but I've struggled with it as well. And uh, I always try to arrange my quote training time around say after the kids go to bed I'm not a morning person I'm not a morning person at all so um, as much as I'd like to um, be disciplined enough to 
I mean, right now, you know, I'm going through separation. So, you know, half the time I'm waking up alone in my apartment. Um, but yeah, I'm just not a morning person, man. And I, I've tried and I have in the past gotten up in the morning and done two hour rides at five in the morning. Um, but I didn't stick with it, but I always tried to time my, my, uh, rides and training around when the kids were in bed after they got, after they've gone to sleep. Um, and the odd time, you know, uh, after work, I would, uh, arrange to say, take the long way home, if you will, and leave my place of work, bring all my bike shit with me and then do something big. And then, um, yeah. I, I, did, I tried not to do that too, too much because I felt the same way. It's like I feel guilty. I felt felt guilty leaving the kids, felt guilty leaving my my ex with the, the, the kids for the extended period of time. And, but I think if you communicate with your wife or your partner or your kids and, and uh, specifically, you know, with your wife, it's just they need, partners need to understand that depending on your personality type, we need to get our wiggles out so that we can show up better, right? And if we can't, um, if we don't have that time, if we don't take that time for ourselves, we're not going to show up as our best selves uh, when we're needed most. So I don't know. That, that's my only comment really around that is is just communication. Talk to your partner. And you, and you might find that that your guilt is unwarranted, you know, Um Maybe your partner recognizes that you, you show up better after you've, you know, put yourself out there and, and, you know, done, done a big training ride and you come back and you're just more, you're just in a better place. I could equate it to having sex. Um, men tend to be in a completely different headspace after they've had sex with the per, the person that they love. And um, it's, it's the same. We, I think men just need that, um, they need to get their wiggles out, right? In some way, or they're gonna feel a bit stir crazy. And so, yeah, I guess the main point there is reframe it, reframe it as stealing time into taking time for yourself and your mental health. And I hope your partner does the same thing, you know. And 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 if she doesn't, I don't know your partner at all. I don't know her at all, so I'm not judging. I'm not saying anything, but you know, maybe she'd like to take off by herself and just go for a long walk with her, with her earbuds in or, um, you know, go hang out with friends or go to yoga class with, with friends and stuff. And, and I don't know, I think it's as partners, I think we need to encourage that. Obviously you can't control what the other person wants to do with their life, but I've always found it very important that, um, that despite being in a marriage or a relationship, you still have unique identities and you can't um abandon who you are just because you're in a marriage with kids and i think the other thing let's spin this and i've talked about this before i'll spin this off more focusing on your kids is um they're going to notice that you're showing up better after you know you get your wiggles out but also you're also showing your children that that you know these things are super important <laughs> it's really important to do the things that light us up so that we just show up better in life. And I remember my, when I was growing up, my dad would cross country ski. He would um, take off for, he was a runner there at one time as well. I don't remember feeling any 
resentment towards my father taking off and doing his thing. I never felt that at all. So whatever that's worth, um, I think it's important. So I think it's just really important that we do our own thing. So that was a really, really great poignant topic to talk about because especially leading into summer, a lot of men and women out there are doing their thing. And you know what? Women probably feel that as well. No, women don't probably feel that. Women feel that as well. People feel that. The guilt about taking off, leaving their family, leaving their partner, leaving their kids to go either train or do an event. Um, but all we can do is support our partners. And this is going to be, I'm going to be talking about my, um, the buckshot that I just got back from, uh, at two in the morning last night, (laughs) yesterday morning, this morning, I guess. And along that, that topic of support, um, I'm in a new relationship now and I've never felt so supported by my partner. Um, to send me videos of her and her children uh, out on the golf course, just sending me a, a random video in the middle of the day. Go, Steve. Go, go, go. It was, it was profound to to have that kind of support, and um, it's uh, it was really refreshing. And then to have someone, you know, when you talk to your partner on the phone, just the um, they're so happy, right? They're so happy that you're out there doing pushing your limits, right, and doing the things that really. I've said a few times, light you up, you know, despite how hard the buckshot was for me personally, especially the first day, um, to, to have someone call you, reach out to you and just, you get them on FaceTime and she, and she just, Amy just has this big smile on her face. She's so proud of me. And so, uh, encouraging. It was, it was really awesome. So I think that's the flip side of it is if you're a partner, who has a partner who's taking off training and um, pushing their limits and doing the things they're passionate about. I think uh, you need to like support that person the best you can and let them know that you're there for them. You've got their back. You're supporting them. Um, and just, just know that (laughs) that is fuel for the fire, right? When you feel like, you know, you're not being supported the way you wish you were. Um, it's weight. You carry a lot of weight on your back when you're doing the actual event. So for partners who have partners who are training for these things, support them, love them, encourage them. Um, you know, they might not finish it. They might scratch um, and know that they're going to probably not be in the best mood after they've quit something because you never want to quit, right? Um so on the flip side as a partner, yeah, support your partner. And then to wrap this all up, communicate with one another. If if the training is cutting in, if, if you're a partner who has a partner that's going out training all the time and you're feeling resentful about that, ask yourself why you're feeling resentful and talk to your partner about it. You don't have to fight with them about it, but just talk to them. It's like maybe, you know, I miss you. We used to do all this stuff on Friday nights. We used to have dinner and We'd sit and eat a bowl of popcorn and watch Netflix, and now you're taking off riding all the time. Your training, your partner who's training needs to hear that as well. And you, as the partner who's training, needs to listen to that. So it's just this, it's, it's complicated. You need to talk to one another. Um, so I guess that's, I'm going to talk for fucking 10 minutes already. I, I'm going to call it there. So um, it's not stealing time, it's taking time. Um, you're showing your partner and your kids that you have a unique identity that you need to pursue 
and you're going to show up better if you're able to do this thing. Communication. Um, yeah, man, just I think that's the biggest part. Just communicate. And and if you're feeling guilty, tell your partner. So I'm feeling guilty about this. What do you think about this? And they might say, why are you feeling guilty? Go for your two hour ride. Don't worry about me. It's great. I love seeing you out there and taking good care of yourself and your mental health and your physical health. So I don't know if that helps Zeke, but I certainly hope it does. And um, good luck on the AR. I'm not sure what's going on for me this summer. If you asked me yesterday if I was going to do something, um, oh, what's your next event? It was like, I can't. I got I to gotta process what just happened to me out on the buckshot, which wasn't that big of a deal. But um, I'm certainly not. Uh, I certainly was underprepared for that. So, um, yeah, man, uh, Zeke, thanks for reaching out. Really good to hear your voice. And I hope that, uh, and I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just dude. Um, hopefully that if, if you consider that advice or guidance, uh, I hope it was helpful. So thanks again. If you want to send me voice intros, I love hearing from people out there in the community. So whip out your device, record me a voice memo, and you can email it to myback40podcast at gmail.com. Zeke actually sent that, uh, on my messenger because we're friends. You can DM me on Instagram, email it, however you want to do it. But I love hearing from you. And uh, don't be shy. Myback40podcast at gmail.com. All right. The 2023 Buckshot. And I was just reading. I was just looking it up before I started recording here. Um, first of all, Megan Hakkinen, congratulations. Just an amazing effort. Um, and to think that so, I mean, I, I'm obviously nowhere near. I, I have nowhere near the athletic prowess of Megan Hakkinen. But to know that someone finished it in like basically half the time that it took me to do it is just it's mind blowing. And, uh, she's a, a wonderful person. Megan and I always, uh, I love seeing her. We, uh, we met a whole group of us met at a restaurant in Kamloops the night before. And it was really great to catch up with her and, and put, put names to faces and faces to names rather. And it's really good to connect with. So Megan, congratulations. And in her, one of her posts, she said, uh, ready to roll in my first event of the season, the buckshot, uh, the buckshot is BC Epic 1000's adorable little sibling. I I'm not sure if I would call it adorable. I would call it like a little vindictive sibling <laughs> of the BC Epic 1000. Um, it was, uh, I've been wanting to do the buckshot for a really long time. For me, logistically, it was difficult because, you know, it's short, it's over a weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's about a six-hour drive for me to get out to Kamloops. You know, there's hotels. There's all sorts of stuff involved in getting to an event like that. Um, this year, it just seemed to work out. I didn't have my kids that weekend. Um, it's also a long weekend, so there's a bit more time. And uh, I was really excited to participate. I was uh, extremely uh, physically underprepared for it. I had gone out and... Um, to, to use the word training, I'm not even going to use that word because I wasn't really training. I was going for just longer rides um, here in the Columbia Valley, you know, 50K rides, 100K rides, just to kind of get my legs back and just, you know, feel the bike again. I've been pretty sedentary since the divide, to be honest, and I didn't get out on the fat bike much this winter. Uh, I've put on a little bit of weight. There's a whole bunch of things that have kind of happened over the last 12 months. Obviously, you've been following along that have, that have just been made getting out and riding a bike difficult um motivation 
Um, and I've talked to a lot of people about, about motivation as well. So um, a lot, I think a lot of people are struggling, especially coming out of pandemic, right? I, I just think there's, it's still resonating through us all. Regardless, I didn't feel super physically prepared. And I know that those 100K rides, you know, 100K, that's great. That's like, you know, the buckshot was 380K. That's a, that's a huge chunk. But of course, uh, in my Columbia Valley ride, you know, uh, a 100K ride could have, you know, um, a thousand meters of, of climbing, not even where, you know, the first half of the day on the buckshot is like over a thousand meters of climbing. So I was, I wasn't really prepared for that. Although, um, I think the one thing about having done multiple events, um, you know, the, the shorter BC races that are super punchy, like the lost elephant drink and stuff like that, uh, the AR drink. Um, those those prepare you for these short, punchy um, routes. Um, and then the divide was more of, a, I think, just developing mental strength, I think, a little bit more. I felt mentally fairly strong. Uh, that, I, mean, I say that even loosely, actually. But, um, yeah, it was great. So the first night, um, actually, right away, so packed up the car, packed up all my shit I, I like to be I didn't have to do a lot of dicking around with my bike the night before everything was packed food I had everything so I didn't really have to um tinker around with the bike at all so you know threw the bike in the car started driving and then of course you know subconsciously you're kind of thinking about oh did I forget you know wasn't really dwelling on it but at this one moment I was about you know 20 kilometers outside of Golden BC and out of nowhere forgot my pump I just, I knew I forgot my pump. It was in my single speed frame bag um, and I forgot to move it over. So uh, I didn't have a pump, but I did have an inflator. So um, I popped into higher ground sports and uh, picked up a couple more CO2 cartridges for my inflator and quick tangent story. So I walk into higher ground sports and there's a, there's a, you know, mechanic in the back and I see him out of the, my corner of my eye and I'm like, Instantly, I feel like I know that guy. His name's Carl. Like, who is that guy? And I'm talking to the the other tech there. I'm sorry, dude, I forget your name. And uh, and then I hear Carl speak, and I'm like, dude, I know you from somewhere. Where do I know you from? And it's like, you know, where'd you come from? He said, oh, you know, I used to live in Whistler. And I'm like, oh, I used to live in Whistler. I think I know you from there. Did you work at a bike shop? He's like, yeah, I worked at, at Bike Co., you know, Pemberton and Whistler Bike Co. It's like, oh, fuck, I totally know this dude. It was so, anyway, just a quick story. But just It's so funny how you can go into these different ski towns. You know, Golden BC is a ski town because they have Kicking Horse there. Panorama is a ski town, you know, especially just here in the Kootenays. You know, um, ski, ski town folk tend to hover around ski towns. So there's, there's a whole other topic of conversation around that. But anyway, so I picked up some CO2 cartridges. I'm like, fucking what else did I forget? But it turns out I didn't forget anything else. Um, arrived in Kamloops around, around dinner time. Uh, met my buddy, Michael Lowry, who graciously offered me a bed in his room that he had. So it was super cool to connect with Michael. Um, and, you know, this whole trip, it, basically what this, this short little trip like the the highlight for me was to meet people is to meet all these people that either listen to the podcast who have DM'd me or or um or however we've interacted. I call them e relationships, electronic relationships. 
um, it was so wonderful to be able to like hug these people, shake their hand, you know, sit and eat with them. Um, so it was, it was really, really cool experience. That was probably the, the highlight of the weekend was the people. So we dined, um, I, I could walk around the table. I don't want to take up or, you know, who was there? Like Megan Hackenden showed up. Darren Madley was there. Michael Lowry, um, Phil, is it Baird? Sorry, your last name escaped me. Um, Igor, uh, Dave Waugh, um, Andy Ward, um, just a bunch of people. And what, that was just awesome. It was just awesome that we were all able to get together and dine together and shoot the shit. And, um, again, that was a highlight. So, you know, the energy was really good. I didn't feel a lot of, uh, Jody Funk was there. There wasn't a lot of, um, you know, it didn't seem like nervous energy to me. You know, it felt really good. So then, uh, you know, went back to the rooms, had a okay sleep, didn't sleep the best. Um, got up the next day, rolled down to the start and, uh, Michael and I, I guess we're a bit late. So we rolled in and, and Leonard was doing a speech, um, but took some photos there. And what's funny, as soon as I turned my GPS on, loaded the route, the first thing that popped up on my GPS was climb. Cause it's got the, the Wahoo has the, what is it? The climb pro upgrade they just did. So pops up climb and sure enough, it's like you leave the parking lot at Riverside park and you're just basically climbing. I don't know. I don't know how, far it was I didn't really analyze the route in that way but I felt pretty good you know I was feeling you know fairly good as I left and I found you know an okay pace and I just started grinding it out and um, but as the day wore on and as the temperature went up it started to get really difficult for me um water was fairly scarce there were a couple creeks uh, that we came upon that we could fill up in. Um, but as the temperature went up, I just realized that I was just like, I wasn't taking care of my body temperature very well. And not that, not that I was going too hard, but I, I just, I couldn't keep my body temperature down. And what I was, wasn't mindful about. And these, these are things that it's funny, like every event you do, you learn something. There's always something to be learned. So I, I I like to reframe it as you're not you're not fucking things up, you're you're just forgetting the lessons that you've learned. And the one thing that I learned on on the last like few years of of going in, a, in an event is controlling my body temperature. So whenever I fill up at a, at a creek, I would forget to like wet wet down right, wet my shirt down and put it back on. Um, and for me, that's so profound. It's it's quite amazing how if you soak your jersey and throw it back on your body, you, you, you can feel your body respond right away. And, and energy output goes up. Um, and so I, I finally started doing that. You know, it's like, fuck, I haven't been wetting down. I've just been filling up and drinking water. And, and what I noticed, um, just a quick little time machine, is the second day I noticed that I was peeing a lot um, too much information, maybe whatever, but I was, I was, I was having to stop to take pisses more often on the second day. And then when I reflected back on the first day, I don't think I had to stop to take a pee at all. So right there, there's a red flag. It's like, I'm not drinking enough. I wasn't drinking enough. And so as that day progressed, body temperature was hard to control specifically because I wasn't hydrating and properly and, um, not wetting my stuff down. It it affected me deeply on a physiological level, and I was like, I think I'm bonking. Like I've never, 
I've never felt, I have felt like that. And one, it's probably because I was not very well physically prepared for the, for the race, to be honest. But, uh, like the AR 700, my very first event, when I scratched on that, that's the way I was feeling. It's like, by the time we got, um, we're about halfway to Spence's bridge on that. I'm going to screw up all the directionality of this on the east side of the river. Uh, it's so exposed and the climbing was, they weren't long climbs. They were just super short, punchy, uh, gravelly, loose climbs. And by the time I got to that side, uh, on the reservation, um, and, and there was also an agreement, um, with, uh, the band there that we were able to traverse their, uh, their reservation, but we couldn't stay there. We couldn't, no sleeping, couldn't linger there, which I really wanted to respect. Um, there was this one point though, where I just couldn't, I would ride like half an hour and I'd have to stop for like 15 minutes uh, or 20 minutes to, to, to find some shade and just to cool off. And uh, so my progress that day was way slower than I was anticipating. Um, but, uh, you know, looking back on it, I think it was just all that. It was just all temperature management. I wasn't listening to my body the way I should have. And again, this is just all experience, right? And I'm super amateur. So it's like you tend to forget these little lessons you learn. So that um, basically getting into Logan Lake, so I'm kind of backtracking a little bit, you know, from Kamloops to Logan Lake wasn't too, too bad. Um, I was feeling okay. So that's only what, like 60K in. Um, yeah, maybe 60K in. But between Logan Lake and Barnes Lake, that's that's basically, that was the struggle for me. And, um, you know, there's it's, it's a little bit climby to get out, but it's fairly undulating. And then um, actually what was super, <laughs> super crazy is there's a ripper descent that takes you down to Barnes Lake specifically and uh, like a crazy steep paved um, descent. So I was just cruising down there, cooling off. It was so nice to just be, uh, just like the descent was so nice. And I see another bike packer and he's coming up the other way. And, uh, you know, I slow down a bit. I, I didn't really plan to, to stop. Um, and then I look up and I wave Hey Steve, just Matt calling you from some glorious unnamed creek between Ashcroft and uh, what is it Logan Lake. Nearing the end of my uh, scouting in the first part of the BC part of the Great Northern Bikepacking Route has been everything I could imagine and more so far. <clears throat> Probably all that sunny weather is helping, but yeah, if I have to say is the rest of the route is a fraction as good as this has been then it's going to be an amazing mega route having a bit of a tough day today lots of hot climbing it was kind of weird i was coming out of uh ashcroft and all these bike packers are going the other way and i'm like what's going on and then i ran into a couple of bike packers i knew from who've done the bt 700 in ontario and uh turns out it's the buckshot 500 weekend and I knew you were doing it. So I'm like, oh, I wonder if I'll run into it, run into you. And next thing you know, coming down the hill is Steve O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> First time we met in person. So uh, I think it probably lifted both of our spirits a little bit. It's been a 
really helpful to see a lot of other riders out today. Uh, probably uh, <clears throat> one of my struggling a bit more today than most other days, but nothing to complain about. Sun's out, you know, riding bikes better than sitting at home in front of the computer sometimes. Anyways, just thought I'd leave you a voice message and uh, hope your uh, event's going well. And uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Steve. It's fucking Matt Cady. <laughs> BT700 Matt, Matthew Cady was out here. He was riding part of the Great Northern Bikepacking Route. And he was on his way to Merritt. And there's I've never met the dude in real life. I think I've had him on the podcast three times. And uh, there he is. He's standing there in real life. And uh, what a joy it was to run into Matt. And he was looking great. Uh, the climb he had to do uh, uh, up uh, away from Barnes Lake was gnarly. And, um, you know, obviously he was a lot more fully loaded than we were on the buckshot. So he's basically carrying the full the full contingent of everything you would need to do a bikepacking trip. So uh, I was feeling bad for that dude. But, man, so good to meet Matthew Katie. And it, it just, like... It was very surreal. It was such a surreal moment. So it was really, really good to give him a hug and shoot the shit a little bit. And and uh, and I continued on my way down to down to Barnes Lake, and there was a nice little river there with uh, that was running quite nicely. So I was able to fill up some water for the for the next leg of this thing. So the next leg from from Barnes Lake to Spence's Bridge, that's when things started to kind of fall apart for me. I started to get really dehydrated. Uh, started losing all my power. Um, and my mental state really took a shit. <laughs> I think I went live at one point. And that whole section through there up to Spence's Bridge was, um, I was thinking about scratching the whole time. I was thinking about how am I going to get through this? Uh, I was really afraid that I was going to literally bonk and be basically incapacitated on that section, which is pretty remote. And it was the section we weren't supposed to linger and, and loiter around. Um, so there were a couple moments down by a rail, a rail yard where that's the, I think when I went live that I sat and I ate and, uh, I was kind of, um, yo-yoing back and forth with, uh, Glenn Buchanan and Charlene Eden. And, uh, I let them, <laughs> I let them, uh, I kind of let them take off and, um, I just kind of sat back and sat in the grass and ate some food and just try to recollect myself until the next portion. And then, uh, there was a big climb after that. And then that's when I started to, I had to stop a lot and I, and I felt weird about it because like I said, we weren't really supposed to be loitering or lingering around, uh, on that section. But at one point I was, uh, I was at this old, uh, dilapidated church, uh, and I was just sitting in the shade there. And then, uh, Daryl Kaimo shows up. I think that's how you pronounce your last name, buddy. C H Y M O. Daryl showed up <clears throat> and we basically rode together, uh, till almost the very end. And it was really cool to connect with Daryl. We've been chatting a bit back and forth. Um, you know, he's, he's a, a tech guy and I have some tech background and we've just been chatting and, uh, it was a really good dude, really jived with him and we had pretty similar paces. So we would just, uh, I would just hang out and just ride with Daryl. It was really nice because at that time, um, I think I just needed that mental boost. I just needed someone around to, to, um, just some camar camaraderie at that time. Right. So, 
Daryl kept me company for that section into well till almost like forty k to the end. We basically rode together, and uh, what was great, um, we finally caught up to uh, Glenn Buchanan. Charlene had taken off because she had heard that the uh, restaurant, the Packing House, in Spence's Bridge, was open till seven, and we were to understand it was open till five. So we were all pretty in pretty shitty spirits because it's like, man, would have been really nice, you know, to sit in a, an air conditioned restaurant and have, have some food. And, uh, as we caught up to Glenn, Glenn was like, Hey, apparently the restaurant is still open and it's going to be open till like eight or something. So we were like, Oh my God, who's there? Charlene's there. Tell Charlene to order us some food. <laughs> we'll be there soon and we'll pay. And it turns out Leonard had called ahead, called the restaurant ahead. And maybe he said this at the speech at the beginning, but I totally missed it because uh, Michael and I were late. But uh, uh, they stayed open for a bunch of riders. And I think they might have called it. They were closing down after we left at like maybe nine o'clock. But uh, we rolled in there and this, it can't be understated how it feels when you think that you're you're not going to, get to a certain resupply and then when you do and it's still open and it's cool inside um and they've got bubbly drinks and awesome food at the packing house amazing food and i'm not just saying that because we're also malnourished at that time the food was incredible and the service was amazing i know candace will never hear this but uh, I did post a thing on my Instagram about Candace. It's kind of a shitty picture, unfortunately. Sweetest woman, very kind um, and very attentive to the needs of um, malnourished, uh, not only nutritionally, but um, possibly mentally <laughs> malnourished bike packers who rolled in out of a day like that, which apparently at one point it hit 41 degrees that day um i didn't notice that on my gps but i know we were like i i saw definitely low 30s at one point but it would not surprise me if we were in 40 degree weather at some point 40 degrees celsius hot as fuck man it was so hot but so to roll in there and and to be able to get um, a beautiful meal and get a bunch of high fructose corn syrup in your body uh was very important and uh so leonard Thank you for arranging that. Um, if you'd mentioned it at the meeting, I missed it. So it was a lovely, lovely surprise. And uh, the people, so I was there with, it was myself and Daryl and Glenn and Charlene. And we just sat and ate. And it's amazing too. Well, it's not amazing. It's physio physiology. But it's like after you eat and drink and basically get calories in your body. It's just, I've said it before. It's like mood follows food. If you're feeling shitty, eat something, your candy, eat a bar that you brought, uh, just put a mint in your mouth. It can help change your mood. I always bring fisherman's friends mints with me. I didn't eat that or I didn't suck on too many on this one for some reason. I think I forgot they were in my feedback. So anyway, and then, uh, Candace, thank you for being so kind and attentive and sweet. And I believe her name was Karen. She was in the back doing the cooking. Thank you. And I told them, I said, you guys are, you know, you're trail angels, right? And she goes, trail angels? And I told her what that was. And I'm like, yeah, 
you are trail angels and this what this is this is trail magic so thank you for <laughs> for helping us all out yeah so it was a wonderful experience um and then after dinner we just packed up and then started riding the pavement to ashcroft and pretty uneventful uh it was dark by then um charlene eden is a machine uh she just like she was gone uh, she, yeah she she was gone so fast um I ended up riding um, with Daryl into Ashcroft. There was some reports that there was a 24-hour Chevron there. And according to Google, it was. Um, they were not open, which is a bit of a bummer, but they had some nice chairs out front of the gas station. So Daryl and I showed up there, sat in some chairs. By then it was, um, it must have been close to midnight by then. And uh, we just ate some candy and shot the shit and kind of, got our rigs organized again and then there's a really punchy climb out of ashcroft on the way to cash creek um and yeah so we we basically rode we rode through the night after spence's bridge just rode through the night we pulled into cash creek uneventfully um just riding at night on the pavement it was kind of nice to be on the pavement and, and the temperature had dropped so much it was just it was just like quote night and day compared to the day it was so hot and then now it's just so cool um as we're riding into cash creek um so we pull into cash creek we uh ran into glenn buchanan again he was gonna sleep at a picnic table um <clears throat> and daryl and i went to a gas station ate you know did our thing and then we're thinking we'll just go over to the dairy queen apparently there's a park there and as we're riding to Dairy Queen, we notice there's a, a vacancy sign on this kind of a cheaper motel. I'm like, Daryl, hey, man, do you want to get a room? He's like, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> it was like after a day like that, it's like it was great. It was great to get a room. So, uh, yeah, we split a room for the night. I think we probably were there for maybe four hours. You know, had a shower uh, and then laid down for about four hours of interrupted sleep, but it was just amazing how good it felt the next day. I just felt so great the next day. I felt a bit rested, felt ready to tackle the next part of the day. And uh, so, yeah, it was good, good to hang out with Daryl a bit, but yeah, hot shower, man, holy fuck. So nice just to rinse off, get all the sunscreen and garbage and dust off your body. And, um, and uh, yeah, so I feel very fortunate that we were able to secure that room for that night. Next day, got up, you know, pretty uneventful. Got up, went over to A&W, got some bacon and eggers, uh, some coffee. You know, that's the thing. I'm sitting here right now, like I got home yes, um, this morning. Uh, I I tend to, that's one of the things I suffer over is like getting really good coffee when when I'm out there. Um, the, the coffee that I was able to obtain until I got home was just horrible. <laughs> it was so unsatisfying regardless. Um so yeah, we hit the road and took off onto this next section of trail, the next half, which I, I had it in my head a little bit that it wasn't going to be quite as difficult as the day before, but I would I would learn that this was not going to be the case. Yeah, the second half was um, quite similar <laughs> in a lot of ways to the first half. Um the climbs on the second part of the route were just like really long, really sustained, um, really hot again. <laughs> and, um, 
just, I mean, they're beautiful in their own way. I mean, especially when you get high up. What was really nice is the higher you got, it just got a bit cooler. But shade was hard to find. I had to take the odd shade break just to kind of get out of the sun for a little bit. But um, like I was saying, it was, you know, I had Daryl with me. So, you know, I had a, um, a partner in suffering that was kind of nice to have. And, um, the, the route of that side was, yeah, like it was, it was, um, it was tough. It was really tough going. Um, you know, it's one of those, (laughs) it's one of those situations where you're just kind of like in the cave and you're just grinding out climbs. What I did find actually, now that I think about it, when I think back to it was interesting is that, you know, I started walking quite a few of the climbs. Um, those of you, I'm sure many of you have GPSs that'll show you um, a climbing profile or some sort of route profile when you're when you're in the mountains. And when things kicked up to like sometimes eight percent, ten percent, I found I could just walk faster, and it was a really nice way to just take a break and get on your feet and just walk for a bit. But that has its own. Um, mood altering things. Um, I'm sure many people walked many climbs. Um, but as the day progressed, it almost seems like my energy got better because I was staying on the bike a bit more. So I was able to, um, keep a higher average speed during those steeper pitches. And it's funny too, as, as we got to the end, so I was riding with a group. It was like, uh, it was me and Daryl and, uh, Charlene and Igor and Phil and we were kind of like, you know, we'd, you know, kind of yo-yo around each other. And um, as as the 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 end was approaching, I just felt really driven to finish it. It was it's almost like a feeling of frustration in a way. Like I wasn't super frustrated, but just not not with anybody. Like nothing to do with that. It was just more of like I just want this fucking to be over. I just want to get back and finish it. Um, as, as beautiful and challenging as, as the route was, it's always nice to, to just put it to bed. And especially considering the day before I was, I was thinking about scratching. Like I thought about it for hours, how I was going to scratch, where I was going to do it. It's funny. It comes up sometimes and, and, um, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting place to be because it really forces you to, like reevaluate, like, why am I out here in the first place? Like, why, why do I come out here? Why do we go out there and, and do these things? And what I kept reminding myself of is, well, I signed on for it. (laughs) I signed up for it. Um, one of some of the other mantras, finish what you started. I just really wanted to finish it. Um, I started thinking about, okay, I've only ever scratched one. My very first one I scratched. And I, I've i kind of been telling myself, I don't want to scratch anything anymore. There's, It's like, why am I scratching? Am I scratching because I'm just sulking? You know? Um, am I just like, because I'm being really down on myself? Um, you're not good enough. It's all that negative self-talk can come in so hard. And... um. You know, and, and it just, it's just like, yeah, I, you know, I sign on for it. You know, I'm, I'm equipped. I don't feel that great. But at the same time, I think that's that, that experience, like, 
you learn how to manage your body. So I have to stop a bit more and sit in the shade a bit more to kind of keep moving, right? Taking these little micro breaks just to, to, to reset the body and maybe eat a bit of food and drink a bit of water just to kind of keep things going. You got to kind of go into this maintenance mode. Like you're limping a little bit. You're just limping along and um, it could be really frustrating. Um, but, you know, eventually I think the thing that resonated with me the most was just to finish what I started. You started it, dude. You got to finish it. And by then I was already like, what, 40% in? Uh, almost 50% in before you get to Spence's Bridge. And it's like, dude, you're, you're halfway there. It's like, just keep moving. Like one kilometer is better than zero kilometers, right? So even if you're on your feet, you're moving in the right direction. And then also I've, and I've talked about this before as well. You know, I remember like thinking way back I, when I was, I inter- interviewed Leonard Pretorius on the podcast and he's like a couple things. Um, don't make a decision until you sleep on it, which um, is really important. Although it was in the middle of the day, so it's not like I was really going to sleep on anything. And the other thing is that like for every low, there's a high. I've said it before. And it's so true. It's it's like you just have to remember those times when, like here's a perfect example. It's like um, we're rolling into Spence's Bridge. We find out that this restaurant's going to be open right? Like that's the perfect example. It's like, it all kind of fell into place. You know, Leonard organized it. The restaurant was open. We were able to stop there. And that was like from, from that, from the mental state of thinking that I'm going to scratch to now sitting at a table with some other fellow comrades, um, eating. It's, it's, it's so, it's such a high, it's so amazing. And then, you know, riding through the night to get to Cash Creek and realizing that, you know what, I don't want to sleep on a picnic table. I want to get a room and reset. Um, and then seeing the vacancy sign and then waking the dude up. Sorry, dude. And him, he was very gracious. And then getting the last room of this hotel, motel, so that we could basically just turn the AC on and just reset and recover um, that's a high. And then the next day, like struggling up some of these long, long climbs, but then it tips over and you've got this wicked descent, right? And you just keep picking away at it and for every low. There's a high. So day two, I had no, it wasn't, had no feelings like I did on, on day one in terms of having to, having to wanting to quit. Uh, but yeah, near the end, <laughs> I was just like, okay, I just want to get the fuck out of here. And the other thing that was kind of on my mind a lot too was my car. I'd parked my car at a, at the Thompson um, uh, conference, um, hotel, whatever. And I was worried that my car was going to get towed. Uh, so I had that in the back of my mind because I paid for extra parking, but I wasn't sure when they were going to cut me off and I'm going to get a ticket. Am I going to, so that was kind of stressing me out. It's kind of funny, stupid shit to worry about. Um, but then that last, that last climb, the last really big climb, um, near the end of this route was so long and so sustained and so hot. And then it pitched over the other side and I knew that that was pretty much it. That was it. I had a little bit of a a worry that there was going to be some other weird thing that you had to do. Some other like punchy, pitchy climb that you had to do, but 
um, I was pretty certain that that was the last climb. So the, the, so the descent down into the valley was like this pretty steep road. It had felt like it had like two inches of fresh gravel on it and it was washboard. So I'm cruising down there and it's super steep. My hands were killing me, you know, like just to be on the brakes like that. And then also just maneuvering the bike through the soft gravel, um, um, was, was just challenging. It was a challenging descent and I did not do it slow. I did it pretty fast. Uh, and I hit the valley bottom and then I crossed the tracks people who were listening to Diddy across those tracks where it says kind of private property, which was like, Oh shit. Like now what? Um, but I just, I saw tracks. I saw other, uh, uh, tire prints in the ground, in the earth. So I just went and then it was like, I don't know how many kilometers it was, maybe 10 K of just this headwind, this head crosswind. It was so demoralizing and I had to really just put it out of my mind and just not think about it and just say, Everyone's experiencing the same thing. That's the other thing too. You're not alone. You're out there with a whole bunch of people. Everyone's experiencing the same thing. They had to do the climbs. They had to do that gnarly descent. They need to pedal through this this stupid fucking headwind. So everyone's kind of on on the same page, right? Uh, so I just tried to kind of forget that and just like keep keep moving forward, keep pedaling the bike. Um. And I knew that, you know, I was approaching the end, but the, the navigation back, I found so confusing. Um, I had caught up to Glenn at this point and then I was just on fire. I just wanted to finish it. And then I would, uh, I said, I'm going to go. I said to Glenn, it's like, I'm just going to keep rolling. So I, I kept rolling and then I would get, I would get confused by navigation and I had to stop. And then Glenn would catch up to me and he just knows the area, like the back of his hands says, Oh, it's this way and that way. And it's like, where is this, where is this walking path? Oh, it's over here. You got to do this and that. And the other thing, and sure enough, you know, I follow the GPS. It, it took me there. So, um, thanks Glenn for helping me out at the, at the end. I don't know if anyone else had those navigation issues at the very end of it, but it was really tough. Um, the last little bit. And then it was just this roundabout, way to get back and then you're on the streets and then you're on the path and then you're on the streets again and it was like where the fuck is the finish of this thing i was so anxious to just be done with it and then uh so yeah glenn and i finished together i you know i I wanted to he helped me so much to get to the end so i had to yeah i wanted to finish up with glenn it was good to meet him as well a very accomplished uh rider in his own right so um yeah, I think, you know, overall, I'm pretty happy with the way it went down. I'm super happy that I'm home. Um, there's a, there's kind of another another phase to this whole thing. Is, is So I got back, you know, did the pictures, laid, laid in the shade and ate candy. And then I'm like, man, I'm going to go back to Invermere. So it's about a six-hour drive, five and a half, six hours. So I, you know, I uh, gathered up my stuff, rode back to the hotel, um, the, uh, my car was parked in an underground, which was nice. So the car wasn't a million degrees and I had no ticket, which was great. And, uh, I had to find a place. I had to check the underground, uh, parking cameras to make, just wasn't sure where they were because I had to take my bib off. <laughs> so I hid behind another car where there were no cameras and it felt so good to peel the bib off. And I brought just some swimming trunks. And, uh, so it was just kind of, you know, free balling in those, which was so nice just from being packed into a chamois for two days. 
I remember that on the divide as well. You take your bib off and it'd just be like, Oh God, it feels so good to get the diaper off. Um, and you know, I've only just kind of switched back to, to a chamois now and, uh, no regrets about that. But yeah, I stripped off, you know, I, I actually, I, before I even strip off, strip, stripped off, I got to the car and I got inside it and I just cranked the AC just to cool it off. Made a few phone calls and, and then uh, change got in the car and the, that's the, the end part of the, in, this endurance endeavor was the endurance endeavor of just having ridden 381 kilometers and climbed 6,800 meters to get in the car and drive back to Invermere. And it was hard. <laughs> it was so hard. My, I just had restless legs and, you know, now I'm went from sitting on a bike to sitting in the car and, and, uh, it was challenging, but I, I approached it. <clears throat> I basically approached it like a bikepacking event. So it was like, get in the car, get to A&W, you know, eat some food, drink a bunch of soda again, get in the car, drive to the next part, get me get a coffee or chocolate milk, and then get in the car and go to the next part. And just kind of chipped away at that, at that, uh, that trip back. So I ended up rolling into Invermere, into my apartment around, uh, 2.30, it was 2.30 a.m., um, I fired up the shower. I had a wonderful shower. I took a handful of drugs. <laughs> I took some, some electrolytes, some naproxen, um, some acetaminophen, which you can mix by the way. And, um, a uh, sleeping pill. I can't remember. It's, it's like, uh, kind of like a NyQuil type thing. And, uh, I slept until like 1030. So, and then I decided I needed to get on here and talk about this crazy endeavor and my first event of the season. And um, I want to congratulate everyone who's who's finished it. I want to I want to cheer on people who are still out there riding it. Um, it's it's a tough route, man. Like it's short. And I said this on a you know when I'm talking to people about it, it's like relative to to other things, like say you know, the air 700, which is 700 K this is relatively short, but it was not to be underestimated. And, uh, I want to congratulate uh, Megan Hackenin again for, um, crushing it. I think uh, a couple weeks ago on a podcast, I remember, um, I, I, I put a prediction down that Megan would finish it. I think I said 15 to 18 hours is what I, what I thought. And uh, yeah, she's 18 hours, 05. And when I had dinner with her that night before, she's like, oh, you know, I think I'll probably knock it out in 24 hours. I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> You're going to do it way faster than that. The uh, women's time trial, 24-hour time trial, were uh, record holder. Yeah, 380K, I think you're going to do well. But, you know, I'm, it's not to um, not not to diminish, the definitely not to diminish the amount of effort and her strength and her stamina and her uh, her mental capacity. She is uh, not one to be underestimated. So congratulations, Megan. So I don't know if I really have anything else to say. I want to thank Leonard for putting together a crazy route. Um, I know a couple of us, when we got to Spence's Bridge at that restaurant, uh, I pulled out my phone and we sent Leonard a, a voice message. Um, it was kind of a like a like a two-sided message. One was like, Hey, thanks for organizing this, uh, this, uh, this great event. And we hate you for organizing this event because <laughs> it was so challenging. Um, but I laugh now, 
but I, I did enjoy it. When I think back and I think about the, the low times, um, it seems that those the, the low times can resonate harder sometimes than the good times. But in retrospect, when I look back, it was just great to ride with everyone and to meet everyone and uh, to spend time with some some pretty awesome people. And that's why I've said this before too. It's like, you know, you put a bunch of people, like-minded people together in the same room and it's a party. It's just fun, right? Um, and so I really appreciate the the camaraderie of these events and I was really happy to be able to uh, meet people again. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. So those of you who I had a chance to ride with, I just want to say I love you guys. I love you girls. Super, super fun. And uh, I can't wait to hear your stories. So let's hear them. Uh, send me a voice memo. Actually, you know what? Take a moment from your ride, if you can think about it, and tell tell a story. Tell a little two-minute story about your adventure and uh, record it with your voice and send it to myback40podcast at gmail.com. I think that's all I had. I was going to talk, talk about things that I've learned, but I think I kind of integrated that a little bit. I think the thing that I forgot the most was to listen to your body. The other thing that I did or didn't do is when I got to Logan Lake, I should have treated myself to something. You know, I should have really just taken a moment and thought about what I needed in that moment. And you know, I was thinking it would have been really good to have a nice icy cold drink. And I don't know why. I think I get a little bit caught up in the in the um, the stress and anxiety that you're feeling from other people. I mean that quite lightly, but it's like people are there, they're scrambling, they're putting stuff in their bags, they're in and out, they're going to the bathroom, blah, 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 doing all this stuff. And I feel like I lose sight of my own needs in the moment. Like could have had like an ice cream cone. You know, could have, um, I did refill my water, but I, you know, could have bought a bag of ice, um, all sorts of things I could have did. Right. And it's just, I don't know. I just felt super rookie in the moment, not, not doing the things that I really needed to do. So like as, as time went on, I was like, man, it would have been good to like have a bottle of Coke in my, uh, in my frame bag that I could, you know dip into from time to time. And honestly, that helped a lot on the climbs. Just that quick, uh, delicious glycogen injection. Actually, I did bring a big bottle of maple syrup, but I didn't, I just found it a bit too much. Uh, I found it a little bit too much, a little bit too sweet, a little bit too thick. Um, Should have watered it down more probably. But, you know, we learn. This is what these things are all about, right? We we go out on these adventures and we're practicing our craft the way we've been honing it, uh, but always learning something, always learning something. So that's, that's one thing that I think is really important about these things. Like not only is it doing hard things and we're challenging ourselves, but we're learning stuff, right? We're learning about ourselves. We're learning about the kind of adversity we can, we can face and get through. Uh, we learn that, when we're feeling like utter shit, you know, we've still got so much in the tank. <laughs> There's so much in the tank. Um, we learn to be more mentally strong, you know, in, in these moments. We learn to be by ourselves and in our head a lot more. Uh, we learn the importance of relationships. 
and the friendships you meet, you make along the way, you know, and we learn about connecting with other people, whether they're other racers or people along the trail. I had some great interactions with people out there, lots of positivity. So, um, I think it's nice too to, to take yourself out of your own bubble, you know, for a couple of days, get out of the day to day that you're in and, you know, go to another town, meet other people you've never met before again with other riders or, or uh, people along the way. And I think what I always learn is that, um, people are good. People are good. People want to help. Um, people are excited to see you and to hear the stories that you're sharing. Um, people it's 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 about the what did Cleroy say once it's like the bikepacking adventures are like the culmination of was it riding bikes it's an intersection of you know riding bikes and nature uh human connection uh, i can't remember the the third thing but it's like this great intersection right of people and and uh i think that's what i appreciate most about these things so I hope that you are all doing well. I hope you enjoyed my little breakdown of my experience. It didn't bore you too much. And I really hope that you continue listening to the My Back 40 podcast. Gave out a few stickers when I was out there. Um, probably to people, well, I know, certainly to people who have given stickers to before, but the more the merrier. If you want to support the podcast, the easiest way to do that is to give me a five-star rating and a review on your favorite listening platform. Helps me grow, helps me reach more people. Tell your friends and family about the My Back 40 podcast. It's not necessarily all about biking, is it? I've been leaning into all sorts of different topics, and um, I'm really enjoying the journey so far. Another great way to support the podcast is to support my supporters like Dynamic Cyclist. You can save 25% on their programs when you drop the code MB40 at checkout. You can also save 50% off your first month of coaching at Cycling 101. Reach out to Ryan Draper. At Cycling 101, drop the code MB40 and you're going to save 50% off your first month of coaching. That's a great discount. And also, um, Redshift Sports, I thoroughly enjoyed my suspension, my shock stop stem, and my suspension seat post on this route. It's the first big event I've done with the Redshift suspension components on my bike. And all I can say is, wow. <laughs> just that's all I could say it's I, I definitely noticed a difference um, some of the washboard on this route was pretty gnarly and definitely overwhelmed the amount of travel that the suspension stem had although I can certainly say that um, the movement up front really took a lot of load off especially I'm running an alloy Jones bar it's a very very stiff bar an unforgiving bar so to have that movement up front was amazing and in the back end of that bike the suspension seat post is just an incredible addition really takes the pounding away uh, on the entire route little bumps a little bit of washboard so if you drop the code MB40 at Redshift Sports, you're going to save 15% off their stuff. So I would highly encourage you to go shop them, see what they have to offer, and check it out. Also, I rode the, and I regret, I'm really sorry, Redshift. I actually didn't bring the lights for my Arclight Pro pedals. I didn't bring them because the, primarily I want them for the pedals. And so, again, this was like the first big ride I've done with those pedals. And all I can say is that the Arclight Pro pedals are fantastic. 
super grippy. Um, they were just a really, really nice pedal to have. Really nice big platform. Uh, I was able to stand and climb and my shoes didn't slip around on it. So highly recommend it. I love my Redshift stuff. So check them out. MB40 will save you 15%. I think that's all I have. I know I've gone on for over an hour now. And I just, I know I'm a little bit behind the eight ball with the podcasts. Life has been lifey. Life has been very lifey lately. I've been super busy with all sorts of stuff that's going on. And I hope you will forgive me. Um, if you feel like you're finding value in the podcast, which I love, you know that I love this podcast. It's a huge passion of mine. If you're finding value in it and you want to join my Patreon for $5 a month, you'll get early access to episodes. This is excluded from that. I'm going to put this out right away while it's still fresh and people are still engaged in the buckshot. So I'm going to put it out right away. But I just want you to know that it's a great way to support the podcast and future podcasts coming out. I'll put them out on my Patreon first. And then a couple days later, they will hit the public airwaves, digital waves, electron waves. Um, so it's a great way to support the podcast if you're finding value in the information you're getting here. And uh, I'd really appreciate it. You can also one-time PayPal me donations. That's also very helpful. And you can find all those links over at myback40.org. So I love you guys more than you know. I really love you. I love the podcast. I love the engagement. I love the relationships I've made since I've been doing the podcast. And I'm so happy that you're coming along for the ride. So until next time, keep the rubber side down. <laughs>